How is it possible? Well, if you see, did you all hear the question? Did you all hear the question? Well, if you see exactly what they said, um, that's described because it says that although you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead and you cannot commit any mistake still, you are acting as a Kshatriya and people will, uh, will, will give a wrong example. So they, they said that, actually you can't do any wrong, but it appears to be wrong. And as you are playing the role of a Kshatriya in human society, then you please consider some atonement for this activity. So the Lord can do no wrong. And sages, he understood this. You read that. You can read. You read carefully. You'll find so many. You'll find so many things. You read very carefully. Hmm. Then other questions. In the dream, mm-hmm. the soul let it leave the body. And if it leaves the body, then how is the body living? Well, um, apparently, the, the subtle body or part of the subtle body can either in, in a dream or in astral travel, what is called astral travel, can move the body, but it's connected with a, by a subtle cord to the body. And if that's cut, then death occurs. Just sometimes if someone is woken up it's dangerous to, to suddenly wake people up because they, they may not be able, if they're out of their body, then it may be difficult for them to re-enter properly. That's my understanding, of course. I, I say that the subtle body, that means the, uh, the consciousness of the living being is, is not actually fully in that body because he feels it. He may feel himself to be a different person or in a different situation. He may feel himself to be uh, the same person but many years previously. So the, the subtle body must still be present in part, but he's in with the ghost body, but he feels himself to be uh, and actually he feels himself to be separate from the body and actually how is it that this body is maintained anyway? I just saw because of our sense of identification with it. <coughs> These points they they could be investigated more by studying Shastra and even by even to some extent modern scientific methods could be utilized for this. These are technical points. Bhagavad also discusses many technical points. That is the job of the Bhaktivedanta Institute scientists to investigate all these things. 
because there are many points of material knowledge in the Bhagavatam which they're not really described in tremendously great detail but they're alluded to and they describe knowledge which is not available to human society or, uh, or even that which is apparently contradictory to knowledge which is at present widely accepted in, in modern society. So it's a, it's a great job to investigate all these things. Hmm. Young Prabhupada actually he very much wanted this that Krishna consciousness should be established in such a manner that the knowledge of in the Shastra should be presented in such a matter, manner as to convince modern scientists not by not by adjusting the message of the Vedas to the modern scientific paradigms but by rather showing using modern scientific paradigms or, or, or methods that the knowledge of the Vedas is perfect and correct and, and it, it gives knowledge which isn't available in modern society. So that's a very great job. It's certainly not a job for laymen. We see that uh, to be learned in, in any branch of modern science it requires a lot of endeavor and high intelligence. And, uh, and on top of that, to, to be learned in Shastra and, and then to bring the two things together, it's a great job. It requires a lot of learning and a lot of mercy from Krishna and the Acharyas. So this is the kind of thing that could be investigated. I was just, a few days ago, I went to this super specialist in, in what's it, in, what are they called? Uro- I think they're called urologists. Urologists. Urologists, yeah, and their, their whole thing is, you know, he'd studied for so many years and he was only specializing in uh, diseases and infections of the urinary tract. Studied for so many years. You can imagine doing this just one, one part of the body. And relatively simple compared to the brain. There's so much investigation could be done. We, all these questions is mind, intelligence, the brain. I mean, we can discuss them at some level, but but really to uh, have any impression on scientifically well-educated people, it requires that devotees themselves who are very well-educated in all these things and who can discuss with them in their own terms, they discuss with them. We can give general answers, but it's you know, for, for someone who's really studied new neuroscience and all these things, it, it requires uh, devotees who are themselves well learned in these areas to discuss with them. Now, this uh, the BI in, in Bombay, uh, they're offering courses in in consciousness studies, so you can understand that. It's quite a complex subject. I mean, on, on the one hand, we, uh, Prabhupada was pointing out the defects of modern science. On the other hand, he recognized this tremendous impact on human society and the need to address the uh, ideas put forward by scientists and the need, the need for suitably qualified devotees to do that. Prabhupada's uh, idea was that 
members of the BI, they should be at least master degree holders. So, it's, it requires quite some, not only brain, but application to, to get a master's degree. Not to speak of a PhD. I, I just brought one book from the West by, for Dhammada Prabhu, he requested by Sadaputa Prabhu on his latest book on Vedic cosmography, and I looked through it, but couldn't understand much. He writes in such a way, it's not written, it's written for someone who already knows, he's already studied cosmology. And it's, it's written in such a way that it's, it's very difficult for the layman, actually. He wrote a book before called, what is that called? Vedic Yeah, that was more for, for the layman. For, and even then it requires some kind of intelligence. Like this Origins magazine, I thought it was very easily presenting, in very easy language, presenting various ideas. But it seems that here in India when we distribute it, even most of the science students, they find it very difficult. I thought it was relatively easy. But you find that also? Most of they say, oh, it's very difficult. You can't understand it. I, I personally didn't find it that difficult, but the style of writing I find it was fairly easy. Relatively, I mean, I, didn't, I found it quite readable. There you go, there are different levels. So as far as these things are concerned, uh, I can give you general answers, but, but it requires more research and there's a lot of work to do. I think some information has been given by Alan Murray to think about dreams. About dreams, there's a little, yeah. there's a little, yeah. He probably speaks a little bit about that. Also, there is a whole science of uh, dream law, L-O-R-E, law. Law, you know that word it means? <coughs> anyway, the subject of dreams. There is a whole Vedic science, you know, if you, it can be researched in the Puranas. But uh, Prabhupada summed it up by saying that actually it's not that important. People can, you can find certain indications. I mean, there are so many sciences. There's the science of omens, which until recently was well known by common people in India. It's just like if you, you're leaving your home and you see someone walking carrying full buckets of water, it's suspicious. So if you see them, if you see them carrying empty buckets, it's inauspicious and so many things like So many things. If you see a Mongoose crossing your path, then it's auspicious. If you see a jackal crossing your path, it's inauspicious. So many things like that. So, I mean, there, there are so many sciences which are there. So, the science of dreams is one of them. But Prabhupada summed it up by saying, anyway, our whole existence in the material world is like a dream. And when you dream at night, it's just it's a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. He would say, what's the difference between at night you dream, and then when you wake up in the morning you think, oh, it's just a dream. Because why do you think? Because at the time, when you were dreaming, you were thinking it was real. The experience appears to be very real. But then when you wake up in the morning, you think, oh, it's just a dream. Why? Because it's over, it's finished. But so Prabhupada said, your whole life is like that. You take it to be real because you experience it and you think, this is me. But then after some time it's over. And it has, it has no continued existence. And Prabhupada said that even in the daytime, what we take to be real, it's also just like a dream, because it's not actually true that I am this body. So these things are there. Dream, dream science, 
science of omens, so many things. There's so much knowledge about so many things, ghosts. And as in, in finding the Guru Purana descriptions of all different kinds of ghosts and what you have to do if you, if to become a certain kind of ghost and then how they're suffering in various ways. And this is peripheral Vedic knowledge. Do you know what this word peripheral means? It means it's not the essence. The essence is to understand I am the servant of Krishna. Let us serve Krishna. But there's various kinds of knowledge. If devotees have interest, they can take it up. Ayurveda has become popular in the Western countries. <coughs> and in Russia, some of our devotees, they, they preach through Ayurveda because generally people are interested in their bodies. And people don't have that much faith in, in the uh, <coughs> modern chemical system of treatment. So, in Russia there are devotees who are preaching, they, enter, they invite people for seminars on Ayurveda. Odayadana especially. Yeah. How do you know? You met him? He often comes to India also. But he is, yeah, he is one of them. Well, especially himself. So, he gives seminars on this and then he introduces about the Vedic knowledge and gradually different concepts. And Yes, they come to Krishna consciousness. So there's so many things. Astrology, that's also a big area of Vedic knowledge. So many things. In the, uh, isn't that in the 11th canto? Yeah. Yes, that's described, yeah. It's, it's specifically described in Bhagavatam that the Lord went back to the spiritual world in his self, in the same spiritual body, but he left behind an, an apparent body for the sake of the atheists who would be very glad to see it. It's described exactly like that in Bhagavatam. That's why uh, Bhagavatam the descriptions in Bhagavatam are more than important than in Mahabharata, where it simply described that he left, he was shot and he died and all this kind of thing. But for the transcendentalists, they know Krishna, he went back to his spiritual world, closing his eyes. Because all the demigods, they were all anxious. As he was going up past their planets, that he, they would all call him and invite him. But he didn't want to get stuck up with so many social engagements. So he closed his eyes and avoided them and just went back to God, where he comes from. He is God. What is that? Uh -huh. There are various stories here. There are various stories here. The, the classic one is that of the Nilamata deity. But there's also the, that, uh, that's described in Brihad Bhagavatamrita of Sanatana Goswami that <coughs> Krishna, Balaram, and Subhadra, were, where they were hearing about Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes, and then they became so much in ecstasy that they took these forms. So there are various stories. And no, so there may be many, many more. There's a whole big Vaishnava culture, Jagannath culture. 
very big culture, Jagannath in Orissa. So they maybe we take the versions of our Acharyas. Some of the stories which are there, they may be given, just like we'll find, especially in South India, there's so many Kala Puranas. There are stories of how the deity came to be established in various places. And they may be true on some, on some level, but they may not, the stories told, they may not be fully transcendental. Prabhupada, when he was at Tirupati, he was told the story of how the Anaji deity came there to deny Padmavati and then he has some debt to pay. And Ananda Vaikapu, my godbrother, who was there, he said, when Prabhupada was told, he started listening, after some time he just, he didn't sound very interested. Because it practically, in the, in the minds of ordinary people, it makes him sound like a materialistic person. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected one servant of, of Advaita Acharya, whose name was Kamala Khan Vishwas, because he wrote a letter to Maharaj Prataparudra, saying that, in, in the beginning of the letter he wrote that Advaita Acharya is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then in the second part he wrote, but actually he has a big debt to you, so because he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you should forget this debt. This Kamala Vishwas, who was like a secretary of Advaita Acharya. So somehow or other that letter came in the hands of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When he saw this, he banished Kamala Vishwas from his presence. He said, don't let him ever come to see me again. He's such a rascal. He's saying that Advaita Acharya is God, which is good. Then he's saying he's in debt, which is nonsense. How can he be in debt? <coughs> so he rejected such an idea. Similarly, when Prabhupada was told that uh, at a Hobilam, the Lord had appeared as Nushinghati, actually Prabhupada didn't accept that. He said because Nushinghati appeared in a heavenly planet, that Hiranyakashipu uh, had taken over the planet of Indra. So this Leela happened in the heavenly planets. Of course, it may be that there, that there are places on, just like we have Vrindavan on this earth, which is a replica of Vrindavan in the spiritual world, so there may be that there are replicas of the Lord's pastime places in the heavenly planet here also. We have in Gujarat, Baruch, Vidu Kach. So, that's on the bank of the Narmada where Bali Maharaj was performing sacrifices and Brahman Dev came there and it was at that place that that uh, the famous Leela took place of Bali Maharaj rejecting his guru because his guru rejected Vishnu and then Brahman Dev from that point expanded his body and covered the whole universe in, in two steps. But is that the actual place? Because the Namada, these holy rivers, they also flow in the heavenly planets. And Bali Maharaj was established in the heavenly planets. So was it there or was it, was it this Baruj here or was it in the heavenly planets? Because it said that when Bali Maharaj, he, uh, he offered water to Vamandev. In this way he, he showed that I'm fulfilling my promise to you to give you everything. And this, this is the sign he's rejecting the advice of Shukracharya. So at that point it said the demigods in the higher planet showered flowers on him, on Bali Maharaj. So, of course, they could have also done from the heavenly planets, but it gives the impression that 
they were in the higher planets and showering the flowers down. So, this kind of thing, it requires some study and research and all these things. But how much... Right, in Kerala, yeah, they, they, they have that festival, yeah, Unam festival. So there are many things which may be researched, maybe not, there are so many things. As I, I was just saying the other day in class that Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur, he finishes his comments on the, on the chapter describing the Ras Leela, saying that actually much, much more could be written on this subject. But he said that some of it could be understood and some of it could not be understood. But anyway, <coughs> he said that every every word and every syllable could be commented on in various ways, but he said anyway that so as not to make this, the size of this commentary even bigger, I'll just leave it at that. So, Bhagavatam, every prati shloke, prati okare, nana, artha koi, every word, Every, yeah, every verse and every syllable of the Bhagavatam has various meanings. So, it's unlimited. It's unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you transcend the world, I don't want to go into the Bhagavad Gita. But until then, I will be able to do the Bhagavad Gita. But actually, the, the Acharyas have commented on that verse. It's not that the... It's not that the soul is... He has some independence of choice also. It's his illusion to think that that I am the sole doer. But on the other hand, he is to some extent, as as he was quoting, that karta, one of the five factors of action, is the doer. So the soul is to some extent the doer. Again, this is my Sankhya philosophy. It's quite complex. Again, we find in the 13th chapter of Gita, Krishna says that... uh, Kāya, kāya kāte vai hetu pakati ruchate purusha sukha dhutanam hetu pukshit vai hetu ruchate So, it says that everything is done by the interactions of the, the modes of material nature and everything is going on it's going on the by material nature but the the suk and duk that are perceived that the perceiver and the cause of the happiness and distress is the soul. So to some it's not that the the, uh, the soul is a complete robot. He is the karta He thinks I am the doer, but if he thinks I am the doer independently of Krishna, that is his illusion. But he's not a complete robot. So, what was the question about Mm. 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 
Well, it's, again, many times I've given that example. It's not that you know you're chanting and you're chanting, you're then coming purified, and then you're 99 percent, 99.5 percent, 99.9 percent, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're out of your forehead comes smoke, and you, in, within the smoke you see the form of Radha and Krishna. It's not. <laughs> even when uh, even when we begin devotional service, we're beginning to come to the transcendental platform. Although we're influenced largely by the modes of material nature. But when it's said that we've come to the transcendental platform, that means that it's, the scale is the other way. We, we can still be influenced by it. It's not that, that uh, you, come, you come to the Bhava stage and then you're completely free from the influence of mind. We see that uh, Bharat Maharaj, he was in the stage of Bhava, but he slept. He was, he was on the transcendental platform. He was absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. Tears were coming from his eyes as he was worshipping. But Maya was still able to, he was on the, he was, Maya was still able to, he was on the transcendental platform. But still there was some possibility of Maya entering. So in the beginning, one is beginning devotional service. And from the very beginning, it means, devotional service means to come under the shelter of the internal potency, Srimati Radharani. So Radha and Krishna, they help us. Otherwise, we have no hope. Uh, it's, it's not that a devotee, even in the beginning stages, he may, be, he may be very much materially influenced, but he's entered into the spiritual atmosphere and he's helped. He's receiving help from the spiritual atmosphere. But we can say that when he comes to Bhava stage, then he's, he's well fixed. Even Nishta, which, which comes several stages before Mahav, and Nishtha that itself means well fixed. And Asakti means it's, it's well fixed. So again, what was the question you said? Ah. But all the time we're thinking, the devotee is cultivating the consciousness that let me do my activities for the pleasure of Guru and Krishna. And that is Sanguna and Samatit by that very thought. That let, let me even though I am conditioned in so many ways, let me try to serve Guru and Krishna and ask for their pleasure. And by that very thought, one immediately, So that very, that, that attitude lifts the devotee up. Even though he's prone to be influenced by the law of Mahatma Mishra, he has to cultivate such an attitude. Let me do everything to the service of Guru and Krishna. But that immediately takes us up. That's why Prabhupada says that the attitude is the most important factor. What is the attitude of the devotee? If he's, if he's deliberately cultivating the lower modes of material nature, then let me chant Hare Krishna and let me show others what a great devotee I am. And then that's uh, influenced by the mode of passion. So he can't make proper progress. But then again, we have the whole process of sadhana bhakti by which we regularly we're supposed to regularly hear from pure devotees, as I was discussing this one. Pure means, at least there's 
they're following the principles of purity and they're sincerely trying to be pure. So they're also invested with potency by Krishna, by regularly hearing, and we hear about these things and that hearing purifies our consciousness. So even if, even if we're getting a little bit in the mood that yes, I'm chanting, I'm such a great devotee, then by hearing, that will <coughs> help us to adjust our consciousness and oh, yes, I'm thinking in the wrong way. So the whole process of devotional service is very potent. It follows properly. Chanting, hearing, associating with devotees, serving devotees, all the time thinking how I can please Guru and Krishna. It's very potent. You have to stick with it to keep on going. Mm. Yeah, trans- devotional, well, pure devotional service is completely pure, but there's also mixed devotional service. Yeah, again, it's a question of the attitude that uh, <laughs> the nature of devotional service is pure, but we are in contaminated consciousness. So that depends on our own attitude. Yeah. And it's understood, especially in the beginning stages, that uh, we may have so many material motivations or material contaminations or misunderstandings, but gradually as we go on with devotional service, they can be cleansed away and purified. One of the most important things in devotional service is just, as Rupa Goswami mentioned, is patience. Just stick with the process. Keep on going. And even if we, of course we should try to become purified, but even if we feel that I'm not becoming purified, it's very slow. Still, we should go on. Because what else is there to do? At least you have to try to do some service. Usually, the body feels like that. Says, oh, I'm so useless. I'm not making any progress. But we shouldn't become disappointed. There's great hope. In Krishna's service. If we go on, we shall be confident that surely Krishna will help us. But we can't expect that we'll act in, in a rascal nonsense way and think that still I'll get the result of Krishna's consciousness. Yeah, that's why we have to hear Shastra from devotees. Just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying that every every verse and every syllable of the Bhagavatam has many meanings. But every meaning means, every meaning is describing Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and we are all his servants. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that every, every verse and every word of the Bhagavatam has many meanings. That doesn't mean that you can interpret it in any way you like and and come up with all nonsense. Rather, that means that devotional Krishna and, and devotional service are unlimited and can be understood and described in so many different ways. So unlimited meanings means unlimited devotional meaning, not non-devotional. And we're fine if we go on reading and studying and we're fine.
so much depth in Shastra, in Gita and Bhagavatam. There's so much there. It's unlimited. Very yeah, 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 that's very nice. Ramandev, uh, Bali Maharaj gives the protest to Shukracharya. Well, you're saying he's Vishnu, but if he, if he was Vishnu, then why should he come like this as, as a Brahmachari dwarf? He should have appeared before me on the battlefield, and either he would have killed me or I would have killed him. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, it must be Vishwanath who gives the comment that actually there's no question of the Lord being killed, but he can be defeated by devotions, by devotees. He's the Ajit, who is, he is undefeated, becomes defeated by the love of his devotees. So in that way he's defeated. As Ramandev, he was himself, he became the watchman of Bali Maharaj's court. When Ravana came to harass Bali Maharaj, then little Ramandev, you know, the big Rakshasa, Ravana came in. He was just walking into Ravana's court, and all of a sudden this tiny little dwarf comes and says, Hey, what do you want? And Ravana didn't bother, but then Ramandev kicked him to the other side of the universe. Kick him in the backside and send him so he didn't come back again. <laughs> so he became, Ramandev became the watchman of the Bali Maharaj. He was ultimately he accepted an inferior position. Uh, many of them do, not all of them do. So we are informed. There are different avatars as described. Some are called Nitya or Eternal and others are called Naimitic. They only take a form at a certain time for a certain purpose, like Mohini avatar. It's not a permanent avatar, but when there's a need, the Lord takes that form and performs certain pastimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, also has many forms. <laughs> so maybe she hasn't seen him, or she may also be covered by. The Yoga Maya Shakti, which covers the covers the devotees, so uh, so they appear to be acting within time. Otherwise, you see, uh, an important factor in Leela is the sense of wonder. So, if everyone knows everything about what's going to happen, then, then the sense of wonder doesn't exist. Adbhut, that is one of the subsidiary gonaras. <laughs> or the same thing, in, in joking, if, if you already know what all the jokes are, then where's the fun? Of course, Krishna makes so many different jokes. 
But it, it's yeah, there is a sense of ever freshness in Krishna's pastime. Even though the even though it may be basically the same activities over and over again, there's a sense of freshness which is induced by Yoga Maya. Again these kind of questions they may be more may be revealed by studying various scriptures, meditating, praying to the Lord for realization. It may be like that. And we'll find in the Acharya's commentaries that many times they quote from different parts of Shastra to, to give some light on some statement like this. Mm-hmm. Not the same Jayan Vijaya. It may be that a Jayan Vijaya coming. So there are many Jays and Vijayas also. It is not the Jayan Vijaya. Prabhupada specifically addresses this that he that uh, it's not the Jain Vijaya are eternally falling down. There are many Jais and Vijayas in <coughs> different universes also. And there are many other I mean there are seven gates. So there are only the doorkeepers of that one set of gates. They're the most famous. Third is? Shishparandanda Bhakti, well they're also fierce, but uh, there, there isn't, yeah there are many other demons present at the same time, yeah. They were apparently not as fierce because there are so many demons, but but it's stated that all the demons that Krishna killed, that they were even the demigods were afraid of them, like Putana, Kamsa, Bakasura, Altasura, they were very big demons. And again, what, what is, uh, you know, a whole Leela's work for Ram may be just one afternoon's play for Krishna. <laughs> Yeah, but you have to be a very great demon. It's risky. <laughs> it's better to be a devotee. Krishna says, Konti apatijanahi name bhakta pranashati. So, my devotee is never destroyed. But the devotee, Tanaham Vishajakuram, Sangsaraishan, Anadam, Shukhmami, Yasamashuban, Sang, what is that last one? Asushveva Yonashu. Those who are big demons, or normal demons, they, they are again and again. Those who are vishata, very nasty, envious. I place them, Krishna says, in, in the wombs of asuras. Then next line. Kuntaya, Tato Dhamam, Tato Yanti, 
So again, birth after birth, they take literally born as demoniac species of life. They don't attain. Mama Prabhupada, they don't attain me. That's the normal thing. They don't attain Krishna. So when you become such a great demon that you have no hope whatsoever, then Krishna may kill you. Or he may send his representative, Srila Prabhupada, to save us all. Otherwise, it's a risky process becoming a demon. <laughs> Not recommended. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we're supposed to be on it behind now. This will be the last question. Yeah, then? Uh, I used to hear that Prabhupada say that in our modern fourth generation, we will have Brahmins, so powerful Brahmins that. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. It's, I believe how it said in the third generation. And, that I've heard it said, I don't know if it's authentic, but I heard that Prabhupada said that, that, that in the third generation, I mean, his disciples, disciples, children's children, they'll be so powerful that they can light the sacrificial fire by mantra, as the previous Brahmins said. Well, could have been true if his disciples and their children had stuck to the principles he gave them. But it seems that many of them didn't Follow the first thing of performing some scars for producing children, and therefore they turn off the tape recorder. I might get taken to court. It's all right. I'm not going to jump in. Let them take me to court. I've already said enough things to be taken to court, so a few more things won't make any difference. <coughs> No, it's possible. But even if we can light fires, that's all right. That's good. The better is to go back to Godhead. <coughs> you can also light fires with mantras. It's not so good with, with mantras, but it is one system. No, isn't it that indication of increase of moral goodness in complete environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spiritual power manifested in the material energy. But even now, the devotees are doing more wonderful things, yeah. bringing others to Krishna consciousness, changing hard hearts. So let's go out for Harinam, chant the holy name. Hare Krishna.